Good evening, and welcome to the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLLivingLoco, and follow us on the podcast Twitter at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. As always, be sure to follow and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, including Apple, Spotify, Megaphone, and the Google app. Subscribing is free and keeps you up to date on the latest and greatest in Winnipeg Jets news and analysis. On tonight's show, we're going to be covering how Winnipeg did against the Vegas Golden Knights, and I have some really fun things to report because this was an extraordinarily fun game, almost from puck drop. Even when the Jets have been winning, it's been a minute since I've said I've legitimately had fun watching the Jets, but holy cow, man, Winnipeg came to play against the Knights. If they wanted to prove that they want this playoff rush really badly, then this is the way to start. Things got off to a very quick off-the-blocks charge when the line of Nick Ehlers, Cody Eakin, and Patrick Laine kicked things off with an early goal. This one was mostly Ehlers and Laine just kind of charging into the zone, and Ehlers got a pass from Laine. After a little bit of a give-and-go, Marc-Andre Fleury got pulled out of his net. Ehlers goes for the wraparound, swings the puck in, Ryan Reeves ends up tipping it into his own net, and the Jets are up within the first 30 seconds. Goal scoring is kind of fun, and from there the Jets just kept pushing, especially the bottom six unit. I felt like the uh, the third and fourth lines were generating some really great opportunities, and Matthew Perot straight up got robbed on a really nice cross-seam pass, I believe from Mason Appleton. The Jets then earned a power play just a couple minutes later, and after kind of an initial busted sequence where their zone possession got broken up and the Jets had to retreat, Winnipeg then came back on another zone entry, and it almost didn't work, but this time they managed to maintain possession and sort of corral the puck in the zone. And then, after a couple of decent sequences around the net, Liney ended up taking advantage of some of Vegas's D not really covering all that well, and just slapped one home off of a rebound. What was really amazing was that this puck was kind of bouncing around and was really hard to corral, so Liney actually had to do quite a bit of work before he could just absolutely rip this shot, and that's... I mean, that's vintage line. We haven't seen him score many power play goals, but he already had one tonight, and then he also had an assist on the Ehlers goal, and uh, I think that that's pretty pretty overdue for him. He's been one of our best forwards over the past several months, and I feel like Line not really having more than 30 goals already is kind of criminal. I think that he's very much capable of doing that. He's now at 60 points, I believe, but he's definitely become a more complete forward, and again, we're kind of seeing it tonight. That line... I don't think Cody Eakin was really a participant in most of the plays, but Ehlers and Laine are so good that they can kind of carry Eakin and create most of the zone chaos. For most of the period, though, it was actually the bottom six that was doing most of the creation. I swear, like, the uh, the bottom two lines were just tearing apart um, Vegas's defensive structure and really getting close to Marc-Andre Fleury. Harkins was good, Kopp was great, Roslovic was pretty solid, Appleton was solid, Perot, of course, was very good. I, I just don't think that there was anyone who was really struggling in the bottom six. Even Shore had a couple of nice little moves here and there. Uh, just a really nice performance. And then on the PK, a lot of those depth guys were called up again. And the PK, I thought, was really good for the most part. Defensively, the Jets did have a couple of breakdowns. Although, for the most part, Vegas had to take shots from really tight angles. And you can tell that without Mark Stone, this team has a little bit of trouble getting to the slot area. It wasn't that they couldn't get there at all. It's just that they were slightly less effective than usual. But I do think that the Knights had a much harder time getting towards the most dangerous parts of the ice because Winnipeg seemed to mass and attack the puck carriers really quickly and use the collective team's speed to close the gap. 
Bolu and Pullman I thought were not great on a couple of those sequences, but everyone else for the most part was fine. I think Pionk had one or two opportunities where he maybe gave up an odd man rush because he tried to pinch a little too aggressively, but overall I'm pretty okay with how things went. The Knights are still a scrappy, dangerous team, especially on counters, and a couple of times Winnipeg's um, skaters got a little bit caught on some cross-sea movement and stuff where the Knights really weren't able to capitalize. I thought that Hellebuck was pretty solid, made a number of nice saves, but all in all, a very even first period. And then to cap it off, after Nicola Waugh had had a really good uh, opening period, including a, a power play that he drew off of a nice, well, I, I think the call itself was kind of weak, but he had a nice drive towards the net after a bit of a, a neutral zone scramble. You know, he ends up forcing a pass near the blue line that gets picked off by Jack Roslevic, and Roslevic speeds the other way on the 2-on-1 with Kyle Connor, and Kyle Connor has scored now in five consecutive games and, and doesn't miss on this opportunity. So um, Winnipeg has a nice 3-0 lead. I think the game was probably a little bit closer at around the midpoint of the first period than the scoreline makes it look, but it's the kind of thing where at this point, I'm just happy to see the Jets playing really competitive hockey, and I think that against a really strong team like Vegas, they got them moving uh, and, and out of position all the time. I think the Knights D had a ton of pressure to, to contend with and a ton of speed that the Jets usually haven't been activating as much with. So it's nice to see the Jets really play a, a good, even-keeled, strong period against a team that is ultimately a cup contender. This is more like how the Jets used to play. Maybe a little defensively looser, of course, but all in all, given where this team is right now, I'm very okay with the outcome. Obviously, there was still a lot of game left with, you know, 40 minutes remaining, but I think if you're asking for an opening 20 minutes where the Jets make some kind of a statement that says, we're here and we're ready to play, this is the kind of period you want. And I think more than anything, I just had fun. It's been a while since I've been able to say that I really enjoyed watching the Jets. Most of the time, it's a bit of a boring slog, which, when it's a boring slog that wins and Winnipeg has the edge, I'm okay with that. It's not exactly fun all the time, but at this point, you're just trying to scrap points wherever you can and stay in the playoff hunt, especially with all of the other Western teams continually um, either dropping points here and there or, in Minnesota's case, gaining ground on the Jets. Beating the Knights wouldn't really help Winnipeg's direct wildcard ambitions insofar as the Knights are, are certainly at the top of the Pacific Division, and so Winnipeg can't really close the ground on that squad. But getting two points in this game would be a massive boost over the next couple of weeks, especially as they continue to hunt for either the second or first wildcard spot. They'll have a chance to get more of those opponents out of the way who they're directly chasing in the next couple of weeks. But for now, they just have to win as many points as they can. Later in the evening, Calgary and Arizona were going to square off, so that would actually have most of the real playoff implications for the out-of-town scoreboard. All Winnipeg could do at this point was hold on to the lead and try and come out of this on top, which, you know, the Jets in previous games, like you know, they have proven that a lead has been hard to maintain. And we've all seen what happens when they have a lead and their defensive structure starts to collapse under pressure. After a topsy-turvy first period, I think Winnipeg kind of decided to t step off the gas, which you're probably not surprised by. I think any time the Jets have ever had a lead, immediately the uh, the game tide tends to turn against the Jets. But in this case, I feel like when the Jets are up 3 nothing, uh, they weren't too concerned about maybe conceding a goal here and there. Connor Hellebuck surely would have his reputation, you know, staked on this whole thing, and I'm sure that he wanted more than anything to earn a shutout. But the rest of the team definitely backed off a lot. And Vegas definitely took advantage, especially for, like, the first half of the second period. Winnipeg definitely sat deep and tried to counter, but a lot of the times I think the Knights just sort of pounced on second-chance pucks and were really kind of gunning for it. That said, I feel like 
anytime the Knights got a rebound shot or a nice second chance opportunity, the Jets were usually in a decent position to clear it out, usually just by dumping it, which I'm definitely not a fan of dumping the puck. A couple of the guys who were dumping it definitely had trouble doing it more often than some of the others. I think Nate Beaulieu, unfortunately, was kind of a turnover machine. There were a few times where he tried to lob the puck down the ice, uh, usually trying to stop it in the neutral zone, but instead it ended up right on the uh, end of a Vegas Knights stick, which is not great. He also kind of struggled to make passes to his teammates, and I feel like Beaulieu just doesn't seem to have any confidence whenever he wants to make a play. It's kind of in stark contrast to a guy like Dylan DeMello. I mean, DeMello is seemingly one of the smartest defensemen the team has, and of course that's not saying a whole lot because this team doesn't really have very many, let's say, high defensive IQ guys, but overall I think DeMello's been great. I thought that he had a pretty okay game, even though the uh, the stat sheet's going to look pretty ugly for most of the team tonight. I think that he made good cutoffs on passing lanes. His positioning is usually pretty nice. Overall, you know, guys like him and Kulikov for the past couple of weeks have been pushing this team a little bit further ahead and keeping guys like Sabisa and Potato on the sidelines. It's good because this team, when it had Sabisa in the top four, was definitely on the wrong side of the expected goal share. And even though the Jets still aren't very good right now, I think that they're much better than they were, and they're at least competitive, which is kind of a big change. Unfortunately, the competitiveness definitely didn't show up for most of the second period. I do think that the Jets, I, I don't know if they were tired or if they were just kind of sitting back and just trying to absorb pressure, but they, you know, they were in game management mode for most of the second, and that's usually not a great plan against the Vegas Golden Knights. You could definitely tell, though, that Vegas without Mark Stone was just not quite the same team. I feel like he's always driving towards the net and creating a ton of chaos, which is usually where the Jets struggle. Tonight, though, on the second chance opportunities that Vegas had, Winnipeg was a lot better at cleaning up the the crease, and considering how many shots the Jets did surrender, I think that Winnipeg overall navigated rebound control pretty well. When there are rebound opportunities and a lot of net front chaos, the Jets usually don't clear the slot all that well, but tonight they actually did a pretty decent job of it in comparison to what they usually do, and this is by Jets standards, mind you, and also with the caveat that the Jets surrendered a lot of scoring chances against. That said, I'm just having a hard time really hating this performance because it's one of those things where I thought that the Jets, of course, didn't really push after they won the game in the first period, but... You know, I'm also not really upset that they kind of sat back and conserved energy. If they surrendered goals and, and stopped really trying to chase it after maybe conceding two two goals here and there, I'd probably be upset. Hellebuck, though, throughout the second period, really just kept everything right under his control and was basically dominant throughout the whole game. I felt like he was tracking the puck well. He was seeing shots from really chaotic angles. He had the uh, angles cut down so that Vegas had to take really sharp shots. There was just a lot to like. And I think speaking of a lot to like, Patrick Laine had a really good first two periods. Laine was arguably one of the most noticeable jet skaters out there. He was back-checking. He was making great passes. He was looking for a couple of good shooting angles. Had two points, including a power play goal. This is just, uh, I think, a really good example of how much Laine has grown as a player. To see him blossoming and becoming this all-around two-way power forward who also happens to be one of the best goal scorers of his young generation just makes me so happy. I love Patrick Liney. He's probably one of my truly favorite players, and I hope that he never goes to another team. I know that that's not realistic, but I'm, I'm selfish. I want him to retire a jet. I love watching Patrick Liney, and now that he's added so many different dimensions to his game, I feel like that just makes him so much better and so much more valuable to the squad. 
some people were kind of harshing on Ehlers tonight, and I, I don't I do think like Ehlers wasn't as good as he usually is, but I feel like the team in general once they sat back and sort of let you know uh, Vegas kind of run things because they'd had a three goal lead. It's not shocking that a lot of numbers took a bit a bit of a plunge to say the least. But all in all, I thought that he was doing what he usually does. I think that the guy who also really stood out positively, kind of in the same vein of of what you saw with Line is going to be Matthew Perot. Perot was everywhere and just seemed to be causing havoc all the time and ended up getting himself right before the end of the period a nice power play goal. This one off of a a Morrissey shot that seemingly trickled through and I think it must have deflected off of a defender's skate and fell right to Perot who cashed in. Prior to Perot's injury I felt like he was really not himself. I felt like he was a little bit slower and maybe age was starting to catch up and I had questions as to how much we were going to get out of him because you know Perot is one of our best utility players He's a play driver, he's very smart about his positioning, he can score some very nice goals, and he drives a ton of transition for the squad. Tonight, he looked to silence any of my doubts about him, and I mean, he was just everywhere. He was constantly buzzing around the net, he had a couple of great opportunities that ended up getting robbed. I I have to say, I was very impressed with his performance. I thought he was one of Winnipeg's standout players. He certainly got a nice standing ovation from Jets fans. It's just really nice to have a guy like him back because Winnipeg is about to go on, you know, into one of its toughest stretches where it has to play most of the teams that are in playoff spots either ahead of it or behind it. And all of these squads the Jets need to either gain ground on or, you know, try and catch up and steal a spot from. This is arguably the team's most critical stretch after kind of a uh, an okay homestand a couple of weeks ago against teams that were below the playoff line. This, though, is where the Jets do or die. And I don't know if they're going to be able to do it. It's a really tough road, but taking on the Knights and winning here tonight is a really good step. The Jets probably need around 9 or 10 wins over the next couple of weeks, and they've gotten two of them so far. So I guess we are uh, looking okay so far. Sometimes, though, being okay is not enough. You want the best, and if you're a local business, I'm sure you've heard about some of the great advertising opportunities you might have available with the Locked On Podcast Network to reach sports fans all around the world. What you may not know, though, is that Locked On Winnipeg Jets is a great way for your local business to reach passionate Jets fans just like you. Unlike any other podcast, Locked On gives your local company the unique ability to reach Jets fans on a routine basis. Our listeners aren't just any podcast listeners, they're Locked On listeners. If your company wants to connect with Jets fans who are predominantly male, well-educated, and with disposable income, then feel free to drop us a line at Locked On. Our team will work with you step-by-step to achieve the highest level of Locked On podcast advertising success. For more information, be sure to text the word advertising to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcasts.com slash advertising and send us a message. Once again, be sure to text the word advertising to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcasts.com slash advertising. We look forward to hearing from you soon. Closing us out tonight, we're going to close out with a couple of, uh, I guess, storylines from tonight's game. And I think the first is that Connor Hellebuck recorded his sixth shutout of the season, which is, I believe, first in the NHL. And it is also his 20th career shutout on Winnipeg's 69th game of the season. Nice. All in all, I'm very pleased with Connor Hellebuck's effort this season. I mean, I think it'd be crazy to say that he hasn't been good. He's been the difference between us and oblivion at this point. Hellebuck is really keeping us in the playoff race, and, uh, you know, obviously the Jets' goal scores surely deserve some credit and all that, but I think if anyone says that the MVP isn't Connor Hellebuck, they are most surely mistaken. This dude is carrying us through thick and thin, and tonight he had a really legendary post-win celebration after being awarded the game's first star. 
he went fishing for a I guess a six shutout, which is pretty funny. Honestly, I like I had questions about whether or not Hellebuck would be the guy going forward because let's be honest, his performance over the past couple of seasons, um, barring the 2017-18 season, not quite as good as you'd hope. We were promised a guy who was going to lead us to a cup, and he did get close once, but overall I think the rest of his performance has been okay, not spectacular, okay, but this season he's taken his game to another level where he's kept us in games, he's made very good smart positional reads, great saves, and really, even if the Jets are surrendering tons of scoring opportunities, he's always kept the game within reach for the Jets. For the most part, he gives them a fighting chance every night, and I think that as far as your goaltender is concerned, when you're playing behind a defense that's down to three NHL defensemen, that's probably the most important part. Overall, I have to say, really impressive performance, and an extremely hard-earned shutout after a pretty testing night. Obviously, the Knights, you know, weren't able to get a lot of second-chance opportunities and the like, but even still, the shots that they did take were pretty decent. I also have to give all due credit to the fourth line, which absolutely bossed the Knights defenders and skaters in general. I mean, Matthew Perot was great. Appleton was pretty solid. I think that uh, most of the uh, fourth line was very good. Nick Shore was pretty good. Matthew Perot, though, was always going to be the standout, and it's great to have him back. Adam Lowry might also be returning soon, and that will leave some question as to who gets into the lineup. Unfortunately for Cody Eakin, I think that he has to be the one that comes out. That's not going to happen because I think the Jets are going to keep playing him, so Nick Shore probably gets scratched, but if I had to pick, of course, I'm going to take the, you know, the lesser guy in this case, and as much as Cody Eakin does hustle and try, he's just a bit too slow most of the time, and I think that you need somebody who's able to keep pace with a guy like uh, Nikolai Ehlers or Patrick Laine. It'll be nice to have some more center depth, especially the defensive stability that a guy like Lowry brings back. Uh, you know, obviously he's not really a big scoring forward, but he is a really important part of this PK and even strength shutdown defense. Lowry is one of our most important cogs, and even though he hasn't been as big of a player this season, I do think that he will play a big role, especially for the next couple of weeks on the stretch run. On the out-of-town scoreboard, the Jets are tracking a couple of games. Right now they're tracking the uh, Vancouver Canucks against the Colorado Avalanche, and even though Colorado is playing a pretty good game overall, Unfortunately, the Canucks are up 3-2. Uh, Colorado is out shooting them 19-12, and appears to have out-attempted them by a fairly fair margin. Unfortunately, goaltending is kind of holding them back, so the Jets might be SOL on this one if, if you know, Vancouver kind of holds this lead and keeps it through the rest of the second and third periods. It's still pretty early in the game, so I'm kind of hoping that things turn for the uh, Avs' fortunes. I mean, we definitely need Colorado to win here, especially if the Jets want to catch maybe like the first Pacific Division wildcard spot. Winnipeg is also rooting for the Arizona Coyotes to draw level with the Calgary Flames. Arizona is currently trailing Calgary 2-3, and it is about halfway through the third period. I'm not going to bet on this one too much because I think that uh, even though the Yotes can play pretty solid hockey, I think that it's going to be hard for them to either tie it and win it or just win it outright. Love for them to put the Flames out, but I think, you know, you have to measure your expectations, generally speaking. Tomorrow, Nashville will play the Stars, and Minnesota will play LA. Neither of these games is probably going to end up in Winnipeg's favor. I would not be surprised if Nashville beats Dallas after they just beat them already at home. Minnesota against LA is going to be tough. I think that the Kings are capable of playing pretty decent hockey, but beyond that, they need great goaltending and a couple of timely opportunities. With how thin the Kings roster is, I'm not sure they're going to get that. The next 48 hours are going to be tough for the Jets. I think we're going to have to do a lot of scoreboard watching and clenching our butts. But that's what we do always, because this is Winnipeg and they never make anything easy.
Thanks for listening, guys. Have a great evening, and go Jets go.